we have so much choice in our lives that a lot of times we turn to the internet to to make that choice a little easier. And if we're looking for a service, we might look to the internet and look at reviews on that service. I tend to look at the positive reviews and find out what people think. My husband takes another approach. He looks at the negative. He always reads the negative reviews of products, of services. And why he does that is he says, you know, I read the the negative reviews to see if they sound irrational. And if they do and if they're nitpicking, then I know I can just dismiss that and I can find the positive reviews more believable. So it's kind of balanced. But what if you look towards, let's say, a renovation company, like the one that the CBC has uh, done a story on here, and it is out of Ottawa. The renovation company is, um, it has an amazing rating. It has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and it also boasts 4.4 stars out of 5 on Google reviews and an 86% positive rating on a popular contract contractor review website, uh, which is called Homestars. doesn't have a lot of negative reviews at all. So the company, which is called OGC, it doesn't really matter. It's in Ottawa. Odds are you're not going to use it anyways. Um, basically looks pretty good on paper and pretty great on the Internet. But according to a, a couple that hired them, they were asked to do something odd. They were asked to sign a legal agreement preventing them from publishing a negative review. Now, that's shocking, right? I mean, that will change your whole uh, perspective on positive reviews, wouldn't it? So basically, something went wrong with this renovation. It took a longer time than they said, and part of the work had to be redone. For example, they say that workers make a cabinet too small for the kitchen sink, and the couple had to buy a more expensive sink to fit it. In total, the homeowner said that the contractor agreed to reimburse them about $1,800. But before they'd write that check, they insisted the pair sign a legally enforceable document. And the clause that was included is called a non-disparaging agreement. Essentially blocked them from writing any negative reviews. Now, Chris, I don't know about you, but I've got a major renovation coming up. I know you're going to be looking for a new place to live, but we're not moving because we're doing what everybody else is doing, realizing that, you know, If we move, it's going to be expensive to move, so we're just going to renovate the house. And one of the things that I am going to be looking into is a new kitchen. Now, if my my, uh, contractor came to me and they made the cabinet too small for the sink that I bought, that they already were aware of, guess what they're doing? Making a new cabinet. Yes, they are. Ding, ding, ding. Give that man a prize. Cut once. Right. I, I mean, I just don't know why you wouldn't send them away. But I've never heard of this this clause before in my life. So here to find out if this is a common practice or if this is a good idea, Mark Gordon joins us. Mark, you've been waiting patiently to give us your expertise. You're a customer experience expert. Your website, markgordon.ca. And I call you a friend of the show because you're always so helpful when you come on. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, Mark, is this uh, like a new thing? Is this quite common? Is this becoming a more common practice, asking people to sign uh, something that is called a non-disparaging agreement? 
I don't really know how common it is. I know that this is not the first instance that I've heard of this, and some other people have shared with me uh, stories of, of similar situations that they've had. The thing is, we never really hear about it in most cases because the person says, okay, fine, I won't do it. They get compensated in whatever form they agree to, and that's it. it it's over with. So it's not typically reported unless there's an issue or someone turns to the press like these folks did. So I, I don't know, but it, it certainly seems to be more prevalent than you know, years ago. Right. So how much stock do you put in reviews then? Well, I've I got to tell you, you nailed it when you talked about uh, the way your husband treats reviews. I'm totally with him on that. Um, I think that in some ways a negative review is actually a good thing for most businesses because it legitimizes the positive reviews. If you go to some sites and you see these outrageously positive reviews, like people just praise them up and down, you know, the first thing I start to think of is, okay, it uh, must be their brother, their sister, their cousin, their parents. You know, all these people who've written these reviews for them, and it starts to lose that sense of authenticity. But if you see some negative reviews in there, and they're not scathing, you know, uh, it can be something, like your husband said, nitpicking, or maybe it's legitimate. Maybe there was a concern. Nobody's going to be perfect. I think we understand now in this day and age that not every review is going to be perfect. But the point is it makes those positive reviews more legitimate and more authentic. So you can start to weigh it. And, and kind of come up with your own perspective. But asking somebody to not post a negative review, especially in this case, which I, I found really interesting because I think this renovation company really missed the mark. Mm-hmm. Because studies have shown that if uh, a customer is upset with a company and that company does whatever it takes to make it right, there's something called a customer service paradox. And what that states is essentially that if you're unhappy with a company and the company satisfies you, they, they do whatever it takes to make things right, you will actually be more in love with that company afterwards than had everything just gone smoothly. Yeah, because people realize that things, that things happen and people make mistakes. But when you go above and beyond to correct that mistake, you feel all of a sudden more special than you would if the mistake didn't occur. Absolutely. And it shows that the company is accountable, right. they're responsible, they're sincere, and they're really focused on doing what it takes to make things right. Because at the end of the day, no matter what kind of business we deal with, right, all we want to know is that a business will keep its promises. That's it. And if things get a little bumpy along the way, in most cases, people are pretty flexible with that. So, you know, in, their, in, in this couple's instance, uh, the, the cabinet, from what I understand, wasn't made properly, right. didn't fit. So had they said, you know what, we're really sorry, no problem, let us take the cabinet away We'll make it right. We'll bring back a new one. I'm sure in most cases, the couple would be like, okay, we really appreciate you doing that. Now, the Better Business Bureau gives them a A-plus rating. Do they, should not, they not be doing uh, their own due diligence to find out if this company has included, you know, the, the clause that they ask people to sign, which is a non-disparaging agreement where they can't write any negative uh, reviews? Well, it's interesting. I used to be a member of the Better Business Bureau, my business, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting model, and I don't want to say anything positive or negative about the Better Business Bureau. But what I will say is, from what I understand in my own experience with them, their ratings are based on encounters that they have directly with customers. So if you have a negative experience with a business and you call the Better Business Bureau as a consumer and complain, 
they kind of keep score based on that. They don't proactively look out into the media or do surveys or anything like that. Now, they may, but I, as far as I know, they do not. So unless consumers are calling the Better Business Bureau directly, none of these businesses' scores would be impacted. Which it, it, most people don't do now. Now they're heading to, like, Yelp to write a negative review. I mean, it, it's our big joke at the cottage when something goes wrong. We go, oh, let me just correct it. We don't want a bad Yelp review. Exactly, exactly. And I, I don't know, in 2019, are people still turning to the Better Business Bureau to decide what businesses they want to use? I, I think you nailed it with the whole Yelp thing. People are going to Google reviews, Yelp, Homestars, all these online review sites to kind of get impartial reviews rather than going to the Better Business Bureau. So, Mark, a lot of people, you know, we're not, we're all consumers, but a lot of people are small business owners. What do you say to them that they can learn from this story? First off, just treat the customers well. You don't have to go above and beyond. And a lot of businesses think that you have to wow your customers. And the fact is you don't. Just keep your promises. Keep your, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And try to create an experience that is easy, convenient, and stress-free for the customer. And 99% of the time, you will come out ahead. The customer will be happy. Of course, you're going to end up with customers that just whine and complain about everything and can never be pleased. Well, what do you do about those clients? Because those clients seem to have very loud voices now. And some people that are unreasonable tend to get a lot of attention. They do. But as you had mentioned with your husband, those are often the ones that go online and write those irrational reviews where right. they just lay it into you and nitpick about everything. And I think for most people, we've read enough reviews over the course of you know, the last few years that these have become more popular. And I think people are starting to recognize a legitimate review from one where the person just has a lot of issues. Uh, as well, too, you know, my attitude would be as a business owner, if somebody was impacted that much by an irrational negative review, mm-hmm. I have to wonder whether I'd want them as a customer anyway. Right. So, right? The, I mean, not, ev- not everybody is the ideal customer. Absolutely. I mean, people are people. There's good, there's bad. I actually, there, there's a story that I was told by a friend who works in the restaurant industry that just I found incredibly appalling. Um, and he's a chef. And he had, he had mentioned that a restaurant he worked at one time, what, what is, and it's happening more and more frequently uh, in the city of Toronto, is people will call themselves influencers because they have a lot of followers on Instagram. They'll go out, behave poorly in a restaurant, like make a lot of noise, just, you know, act like big shots and get, uh, you know, have a, a food experience, be just kind of basically difficult. Um, they, they stand out a little bit like they want to be seen. And then at the end of the meal, they'll say, you're going to comp this, right? Or we expect something comped because we're influencers. Yeah. I've and if not, that. happening a lot. yeah, we're going to give you a bad review. And the restaurant is like, well, I don't know what to say. I'm the, I guess, go ahead. We're, we're not writing it off because they can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a great number of people out there who have who knows how many followers, how many of them are actually legit anyway, and they they view themselves as being influencers. Maybe they're influencers in their own mind or on their own street or something, but they're not as influential as they would like to believe. And even at that, you know, I think it's terrible when businesses are being held ransom or in a matter of speaking by these people who just show up and say, you know, I have X number of Twitter followers or Instagram followers. You better comp me. You better give me a discount. You better treat me better than you would anyone else, or I'll give you a negative review. I think that's terrible, and it's, a, it's an abuse of, of perhaps a false sense of power.